Hey there, this is Kim. Welcome back to The Weekend Sober. Glad you're here. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for joining me. Um, this is Matt Gardner from Beyond Recovery Podcast. Um, Matt, you were so nice to reach out to me, and you had me on your podcast, me and Catherine, and that was back, when was that? Last spring, right? Yeah, I want to say late spring, and or maybe it aired in late spring, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, I think, around April, so yeah, it's been been a few months since we talked so yeah it's been a few months so um i'm so excited to have you join me today on the weekend sober um so your podcast is called beyond recovery and your instagram is recovery roadmap what's the difference between those two is that just yeah is that your is that your recovery coach name or yeah, brand exactly yeah or? Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. And I'd want to give a shout out to, I get the impression that you have a pretty loyal fan base because your show got very good ratings on Beyond Recovery. So a uh, shout out to you and, and Catherine and awesome. thank, thank you for doing the show swap. I really appreciate the time yeah, today. So as far as your question, yeah, Beyond Recovery is a podcast and uh, Roadmap or sorry, recoveryroadmap.me, that's the Instagram handle. So that is my coaching program. So we're actually just uh, ramping up to do a sober October 31 day challenge for recovery roadmap. And yeah, so and then Beyond Recovery is the uh, the podcast, as you mentioned. Awesome. Well, Matt, this is so cool. I am, I just, I want to know a lot more about you because when we spoke before, I did, I feel like we did all the talking. We don't know like a whole lot about you. So you're on mountain time. Tell me where you are exactly. For sure. Yeah. So Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. It's like Northern Alberta. I don't know how familiar you are with Canada. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. I, I, so there's Calgary. Calgary is like Southern Alberta, which is close to the, fairly close to the border. And Alberta would be above like Colorado, like that yeah, area. Yeah. So yeah. where, I forget where, where are you ladies? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. Same. I'm like, I'm so bad with geography as well. I'm like, <laughs> I, I've heard of that place. I'm not really sure that is. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, my uh, kids are my, my husband and my boys are like big hockey fans. So I feel like they would know where you they are. They would know like the Oilers, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. the, the dynasty Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm actually from British Columbia, which is like the neighboring province. So that's where Vancouver is and all that. So we're one province over from British Columbia. So a lot of my family's still in, in BC. I want to get back there. It's a beautiful spot. But you know, Alberta and Edmonton specifically has been very good for me and my for, for my family, right? Affordable. And it is fairly close to, we love going to the Canadian Rocky Mountains. So we're about four hours away from two of the most beautiful spots that I've ever been, uh, Jasper and Banff. So we love being out in nature and bringing the dogs, you know, out to, to spots like that. So it's, it's great that way. So cool. Well, I am so, I, I'm very curious about your, you know, sort of story. So feel free to just, you know, take us, take us back and, and tell us, tell us your, you know, experience with alcohol and why you wanted to start this podcast, how you became a recovery coach and 
Yeah. Like take us back to like your first drink. I don't know. Take talk. totally. Yeah. Tell, tell yeah. us everything. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. Yeah. I'll try and hit all the highlights or I guess low lights as it were. By the way, are you drinking a green bubbly right now? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I got the, okay. I got the same thing. Oh, you got the Kirkland one. Oh, mine, mine <laughs> will probably show up. Oh, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> cheers. 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 <laughs> mm. That's so funny. It caught my eye. I'm like, that looks like my drink. Um, <laughs> good choice. Good choice. Um, yeah. So, you know, my first sip, I would say it's, it's an interesting enough story. So I was probably about five years old. My dad was a big drinker, a career drinker, as it were. Uh, you know, my uncle Paul, so that's on my mom's side. So my mom's brother, big drinker as well. So they would get together, you know, and it would be like five-year-old Matt is like hearing the volume gradually turn up. The music's turning up in the other room. They're yelling at each other, but they aren't angry at each other. So I'm going the heck is going on in this room so I, I go over there and of course they do that Matt come over here for a second come over here right and then hand me the beer and you know and it's like I have the one little sip and do that eh, the bitter beer face and they get a kick out of it and they're like oh you're gonna learn to love that one day <laughs> you know so that was like my earliest memory I found it very curious right I was like what is it about this you know this uh process or this like ritual that my dad and my uncle paul are doing so yeah that definitely that, that, make, that makes them so um excited and jovial yeah. and like it's that's this kind of like fun to be around and what's Ex like normally they're quiet and you know kind of subdued and now all of a sudden like they're not and they're acting very different 100 percent. so to me that was appealing i liked that energy. I liked like enthusiasm. Like I was a very enthusiastic and curious kid. So it was like right up my alley. Right. So mm -hmm. definitely got in my head a little bit early on. Um, you know, I, other than that, I had a fairly sheltered upbringing. Like I, I grew up in a place that was about 70,000 people, sort of like Northern BC. So a lot of forests and uh, very blue collar and such. So, you know, fast forward to a time I was about 13, just going into high school, my parents divorced. And that was when I just had this like my whole world came down because I had this perception of my family that ended up being very much, I wouldn't say a lie is a little dramatic, but there was definitely some things that were being withheld from me for reasons of like protecting me as I was growing up and then realizing that, yeah, there was definitely some things going on with my parents' relationship that was being sheltered from me or protected from me. And then it all kind of came crashing down and I was, I became very uh, you know, confused and a little bit angry and, and, you know, at an influential age, 13, you know, heading into high school, uh, the way that we have the high school system where I grew up, it was just grade eight to 12. So there was no middle school, no buffer zone, right? So I'm showing up and I hadn't hit a growth spurt yet until probably about grade nine. So grade eight, I was really small, you know, like five foot three, 80 pounds kind of thing. Right. And I'm super just, I'm a shy kid to begin with. And then, you know, with the divorce, my home life is, is in turmoil and so I'm just showing up. I have this stunned look on my face and I'm not talking to anybody. So, of course, you know, I'm prime target for bullying. And meanwhile, there's all these, you know, the land of the giants, right? There's these guys with full blown mustaches. They look like they're adults already. And I'm just like, man, I'm so out of my element right now. So that was a bit of a tough transition, as you can imagine. Uh, fast forward a few other years. I think I was 16 when I first started. I was always a little hesitant getting into like drugs and alcohol. And I say drugs, it's, it was smoking weed, right? Right. right. Uh, um, I was, again, curious about it, but I, f I had just had this idea that when I got into it, I would be full into it. So I was always a little bit hesitant to get into it. But then when I did, it just sort of started coming. So uh, I got into playing music. I found music was a great outlet for me to be able to process some of these emotions I was going through in a more abstract way. Uh, I was having a hard time articulating my feelings, but with the music, I could still 
you know, it was an, a source for me to get, uh, get these, these feelings out of me. And uh, along with, you know, learning, you know, learning music and getting into playing rock and roll and all that, uh, my friends and I were started really glorifying, you know, like Led Zeppelin and all these bands that have been doc well documented for the rock and roll lifestyle, right? So me at 16, I'm like, oh, this is my future. This seems so cool and carefree and rebellious. So, you know, I just went hand in hand with my, my, my teenage years, right? So I got into it pretty early by the time I was, I'd say 17 or 18, like drinking pretty much every weekend. By the time I was graduating high school, you know, my mom had moved out and uh, it was my brother and I in the house we grew up in just for the last few months until I graduated and then we were going to sell the house. So those last few months, I really started crossing some lines. I remember writing my exams drunk because I'd heard this, uh, this myth or, you know what I mean, this tale about like, if you studied drunk, then you got to write your exams drunk. I was like, oh, that sounds logical. So, you know, I was half cut when I'm studying. So I'd wake up the next morning and have a couple of, you know, a couple of rum and Cokes or whatever it was before I wrote my provincial exams. And, you know, how, nonsense. Old, were, how old were you then? That was like 17. Yeah. yeah. So pretty young, right? Pretty young to be doing such foolish behavior. Um, yeah. And then I'll fast forward to, you know, by the time I'd moved out and moved to Alberta, moved to Edmonton here, um, you know, I was drinking daily and I was crossing lines with it. You know, I, I would set up parameters for myself like okay i'm not gonna drink it till 6 p.m and then soon before that i'd be drinking at noon and be, oh well, it's only today and then the next day i'd be doing it and you know the usual nonsense how that goes yeah. and i actually ended up putting myself in the hospital at age 27 for acute pancreatitis from overindulging uh, like big time overindulging and it was a incredibly painful and frightening experience i ended up uh staying in the hospital for three days and now i was doing the whole like like god if you let me out like i'll never drink again i've learned my lesson right and doing this whole thing for three days and then within 24 hours to get into the hospital i have a beer in my hand and yeah. what it was kim was like i'm sure you or your listeners can relate i had that like you know the devil on my shoulder that was doing yeah. the cutting a deal he's like oh you know that was rye that was hard alcohol just don't drink the hard alcohol you've never drank beer before you can be a beer guy now nobody ever has problems with beer that'll be your and i was like hmm Sounds logical. Yeah, yeah. That way I can still drink. Yes, nobody has problems with beer. I'm a beer guy. So yeah, 24 hours after getting out of the hospital and just praying, it's like I've done, I've learned my lesson. I'm drinking beer. So <laughs> pretty ridiculous again. Um, and then, you know, I'll fast forward to uh, 30 years old. That's when I really had my final like rock bottom moment. It's funny how life works. It's like life keeps giving me these you know, I'm leveling up in every other thing in my life. I'm getting promoted at work. My band got like a grant to record a professional album. All these things are working out for me and wonderfully, yet I just can't get my shit together. I'll just apologize for swearing if, you, if it's a clean oh, no, show. no, no, That's so okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so, you know, and then it's just, and meanwhile, I just, I, I, my, I'm in personal ter turmoil. I have this alcohol, this drinking habit has really gotten on top of me by this point. And I know it. I just don't know how to get out of it. So finally, I end up just putting my hand up and I, I took five weeks off work, which is very challenging. And it's worth noting, I was so fearful that I was going to get fired from my job. And, uh, you know, just be like, I, I felt the basically the exact opposite of what actually happened, I thought was going to happen. I think a lot of people would be able to relate to that. Like when you ask for help, people are going to either like disown you, like your family's yeah. going to push you away. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get fired from your job. Your whole world's going to crash down in it. It was the exact opposite, opposite Kim. It was yeah. right. Like my, my boss was super understanding. Uh, my mom came out and helped me kind of just get through that first initial phase. Cause I was just so out of it. 
Did people you know, know? Did people know that you were struggling? I I think they had some idea, right? Because my my performance at work had really dropped out. There was a few people, you know. And this is another thing that's worth noting. I think most people are more are worried about themselves, right? So they might have like noticed something and maybe made a mental note of it. But there wasn't too many people. I like I was so used to being like a high functioning, quote unquote. That was my perception, anyways alcoholic right yeah. so um you know i don't know how many people actually r really truly noticed in that sense i worked uh i work retail so everything's like a lot of moving parts and a lot of just everything's turned up to 10 right so if somebody noticed it might have just been a mental blip and then they they're, they're going about their business right, right. Like as far as my family yeah you know and as far as my family and friends you know a little bit but i drank so much in secret i would do all these different things like I go to a party and purposely only drink three to give this perception that I'm like not this big drinker. And then as soon as I get home, I'm like, oh, perfect. Have a case of beer, right? So I did a lot of it in isolation. So I did that to protect my bad habits, essentially, right? So, um, yeah. So I took the five weeks off. A buddy of mine who I had reconciled with, he had gone through NA and AA at this point. I had called him up. I said, hey, can you take me to one of these meetings? I like, I... You know, I, out of the five weeks that I took off, the first two weeks, I was this huge bender. I'm like, you know, I got to do something here. Otherwise, I'm just going to, you know, who knows? And he took me there. And, you know, initially, I just got to the parking lot and I could feel the energy change. And that was like, initially, I was, you know, I was fearful, right? Um, I was fearful enough to just tell Brent, my buddy, I said, you know, I, I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm cured. Like, I don't need to go in there. And this is one of these moments that if he had not done this, I'm very confident we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And he just, yeah. You know, yeah, he put his hand on my shoulder and, and just said, you know, like, hey, it's cool. This is a safe spot. Let's go in together. And, and he smiled and I was like, okay, let's do this. So we go in and uh, it was like exactly the opposite. Again, so many like opposites of what my perception yeah. is. And it, I thought it was going to be a bunch of these depressed, you know, slouched over like yeah. old drunks, right? And it was like, not like that at all. Everybody's cheerful. Brent is like a quasi celebrity. People are, you know, high-fiving him, hugging him. Hey, Brent. And I'm like, whoa, oh, this is pretty cool. This is not at all what I was expecting. So I sit down, they open the book, the big book, right? He starts saying that first opening part and I literally felt like, you know, there was a weight, like somebody was like sitting on my shoulders and it just whoop, just left. I started tearing up and, you know, I, I had this profound like spiritual shift inside of me just from, I don't even remember what the words were. I don't know necessarily know if that was like the point, the point being I was in a safe spot and my, this like persona that I'd been hanging on to and my ego just, just dissolved. And it was so freeing. And, uh, you know, for the next three plus years, I was alcohol free, um, you know, and I just, I, I got into self, uh, self-improvement, right? So I started getting into like Wayne Dyer and authors like that and, and really discovering a lot more about myself and trying to get into like the why I have this addictive behavior. And I'd love to say that was the end of the story, but, um, you know, I, after three years, three months, I went to uh, my drummer's wedding and I was a groomsman and there was drinks just coming at me all night. And, uh, I finally, I was doing like the whole, like I get a tequila shot and water the plant behind me. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then finally I just, at like midnight, I, I had a shot and I wasn't protective enough over my, you know, sobriety at that point. I'd still been kind of hiding it from people cause I was worried about what other people would think. Plus yeah. in hindsight, looking back, I, oh, I wanted to have that door open just a crack, just yeah. right. So I knew, I knew that about myself. I wanted that 2% left just so I could try it again at some point. And I did. So, 
Uh, yeah, so that was the end of that. I recognized after I'd had the shot, like pretty much instantaneously, old Matt came back. The voice really turned up and started, well, you've had a shot. You may as well go get a beer. I'm like, yeah, maybe I should go get a beer. Yeah. Right. And, and then I admit it. I remember having this like thought. I'm like, okay, you're, you can officially say like your sober streak is over. And I was like, yeah, and I'm, I think I'm okay with that. So, you know, the next few years I, I tried so many different moderation techniques attempts and just dreadful like they were just oh man it, it was I, <laughs> so much more challenging to do like you know five days of not drinking and then just white knuckling until the weekend and then uh you know allowing myself to be able to drink and it's like a binge weekend yeah. and then feeling guilty and just like that whole thing like the up oh, down yeah. all around oh my goodness it was so incredibly challenging and and made me feel like way more like crap than when I was just drinking every day. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, yeah. And then, you know, what happened is my, my dad actually passed away a few days before Christmas, 2018. And, uh, you know, he just retired. He's 66 years old, which is, you know, really young for today's, today's day and age. Right. And, and, uh, I knew I was on that same path. My uncle Paul had actually passed away a few years before dad. And I'm just like, look, and he was like 57 or something. I was like, man, I'm on the same path again. I, I know better. Like, what am I doing about this time? I'm 37. And, um, so that's when I, it really, I realized I was on my way driving out to my dad's celebration of life and it just, everything was a perfect storm for this to happen for me to get into the, you know, the course that I'm currently on. I was about halfway out there. Um, you know, it's an eight hour drive back home from Edmonton and right in the middle is that one of those Rocky mountain towns I was telling you about before we got started Jasper. And it was one of my favorite spots as a kid. And my dad and I spent some time there. And uh, it was a beautiful sunny day. And I'm driving through that and it felt completely empty, completely black. I just felt like, not, um, and I remember picking up my phone because I just, I needed to get some of this out of me. And I just was like saying how helpless I felt. And I'm like, I was getting so hard on myself. And I was like, even talking like suicidal ideation and things of this. And something happened when I was having that conversation with myself that I, again, I had one of these massive shifts that I really believe there was like a, you know, something intervened with me spiritually. And uh, I immediately thought, you know what? My dad's great grandfather was a big drinker. My grandfather was a drinker. My dad was a drinker. Here I am. I'm on my way out to my dad's uh, celebration life. Uh, worth noting, I was coming off a huge bender weekend leading into that. So I was so strung out that day. I woke up just on three hours sleep, just super strung out, hung over all the, you know, all the, all the great stuff. And, um, so the combination of that, and then just realizing, you know, I'm, I can be like a living tribute to my dad and that side of the family, even on my mom's side of the family too. Right. And it can stop with me. And that's a great reason why. And then just, you know, so the circumstance and, you know, I don't know if I would have been able to do that had I just been staying around Edmonton and just doing my thing and my usual routine. But just the fact that context and the environment change and, and me driving out to, you know, my old hometown I hadn't been to in a while, just all those circumstances aligned perfectly for me to have that feeling again of just like, I could feel all the, just the negativity and the dark feelings leave. And then immediately I was thinking on solutions. Okay. I've done this before. I started like I went from the darkest moment of just like, ah, like I'm so helpless to, okay, no, I've done this before. You know, I, I've, I've, I can do this again. I'm going to go pick my brother up at the airport there. It was the first time him and I had been home together in like 20 years. So we went around our old neighborhood. It was just this really therapeutic, uh, special time. 
and yeah so that was like my my sober birthday this time around was uh was april 8th 2019 and you know that's been i i passed my personal best this past summer things are going great uh yeah you, you asked about like how i got into the the coaching and all that i had been working the same job uh for 23 years i got hired at 16 and just kept going from part-time you know the punk closer in the back with the long hair you know to uh assistant store manager all jobs in between and I felt like I was, after I'd sobered up this time, I noticed there was a feeling inside of me that I, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And that might sound arrogant, but I, I honestly, no, it's not, it's not, makes sense. Yeah. right. And it's not, it wasn't ego based. I, I, I felt there was something more to it and I just, I didn't know what it was. So what I did is I took a six month sabbatical last summer, 2021, and just explored some of that and explored this feeling. Okay. What is this feeling trying to tell me? And so I realized I'm like, what I really enjoyed about my job, that the part that I still really enjoyed was my level of experience and, you know, being upper, upper management, I enjoyed grooming people and being a coach and a mentor and all that. So I'm like, okay, well, if I can take that and then couple it with my life experience, that being, you know, sobriety and alcohol free and, and living a healthy lifestyle and such and combine them, boom, maybe that's it. So that's what I pursued in. I got some coaching certifications. Um, I did end up going back to work for four months uh, just for I would run out of resources financially by that point. So I just needed a little bit of a, and I, honestly, I had the idea that I was going to have this overlap of my previous career with my coaching career. And just when the time was when the time would come, I would I would quit. I found very quickly that integrating this new me with my old me was uh, just clashing big time. And I was just I felt like I was at a war with, within myself. And so I ended up, um, I just, I, I pulled the plug. I went all in. I made sure uh, I was covered financially. So what I did, I was able to have a decent chunk of money that came out of my 23-year pension. I got a lump sum of it and paid off as many uh, yearly bills as I can uh, for the next year. So that gives me that breathing room, very low uh, overhead costs and, and minimal like monthly bills essentially for the next 12 months my fiance is amazing she's incredibly supportive so she's picked up a little bit of the slack as well and then that just gives me the breathing room right because uh, you know the the money thing was definitely challenging for me it made me recognize that I had this like you know collapsed distinction of like self-worth and money were together and over the last year or so, I've been pulling that apart and realizing, you know, there, there's some separateness to them and l learning that or relearning that. So uh, that was a big thing for me. And it's worth mentioning because there is a lot of people I notice uh, these days that are uh, betting on themselves. And like there's the whole great, uh, not recession. I mean, that's, that's possibly part of it, too. Yeah. Uh, was it the, not the great reset? That's something completely different, too. Great resignation. That's it. There's a lot of people quitting their jobs coming out of COVID and, and yeah. trying to do their yeah. entrepreneurial type stuff or self-employed stuff. So uh, if you'd asked me like a year and a half ago that I'd be doing this, I'd be like, you are crazy. That's so risky. I would never do that. Like, that's not me. You know, I, I, I good on anybody that can do that. Uh, but you know, here I am, I'm in the heat of it. And um, you know, it's, I'm feeling incredibly fulfilled and uh, it's been great. I've been doing the actual full-time coaching uh, since I guess February 1st was my, uh, my transition day from my previous life and career to the new one I'm doing today. That's awesome. Good for you. Thank you. That's great. I mean, so much of what you're saying, I, obviously we have different stories, but so much of what we experience was similar. Um, and you talk about the secrets and 
the ups and downs and the moderating and the lying to yourself. And, and I feel like I went through so much of that in, um, you know, starting at a young age and, and parts of my life, um, you know, it obviously happened at different stages in different points in my life. But, um, you know, I went through a lot of what you went through and, and I, you know, would go, there were times when I would say to myself, um, you know, I think you, you would have that kind of like conversation with yourself in your head. Like, I think I have a problem, but I don't want to admit it. And I don't want to do anything about it. So I'm going to just like, you know, do everything in my power to keep alcohol in my life and, um, you know, make it work. And if that's not drinking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, you know, it's like the rules you would make and the things you would do to try to make it work. Um, it was just exhausting. And it, like you said, it was like worse than when you were actually drinking every single day. Right. Um, and, and another thing that you said was really interesting is that like, nobody really pays attention to you and it's, everyone cares so much about themselves and yeah. worry. Nobody really worries about what's going on with everybody else. It's like, everyone's so focused on their own issues. And I did think that everybody was like looking at me and thought my world was like, you know, a huge hot mess. But after I got, after I stopped drinking, everyone was like, Oh my God, you look like you had it together. But I was like, I felt like you know, like it, I was like falling apart and, you know, it just, that's how by the end I was like, it was just crumbling, but it didn't appear like that on the outside, you know? Totally. Yeah. Very relatable, very relatable. And it's, yeah, there, even to this day, like there's a few of my friends that'll, um, you know, we'll have a get together and I have a recording studio in my basement. We have a jam and, you know, I'm fine with people bringing alcohol over this i got tons of you know the sparkling water and as long as i have a drink in my hand i'm all good and they'll, they'll just be like hey like you can probably just have one by now right and i'm just like uh -huh. no i honestly i can't right i just you know I, I i'm good right so you know i say that to say like i think a lot of my friends are not quite aware of you know the depths that i went into your point as far as like I, my perception of my life which of course is what matters my experience my what matters for me was that everything was just coming down around me and then yet yep. everybody else was like oh no like I, it's not that big a deal right like you did right. you have to go to AA? i'm like i totally did like it saved my life yeah. right so yeah yeah interesting the uh the uh our perception of what we think others think of us versus what they're actually thinking about us right yes exactly um and that i i had that same experience of that weight being lifted. And I know that happened for you the first time around that you stopped drinking and then you did go back to drinking. But the fact that you did experience that, I, I know that feeling. I, when I asked my husband for help and I, and I said to him, I need to stop drinking. Will you help me stop drinking? I had never actually voiced it out loud. And I, I had never even really said it to myself in my own head. You know what I mean? Like I, mm. there's like, I never, I don't think I ever really even Googled, like, do I have a drinking problem? You know, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Um, even doing that is like a really big step, but I'm not sure I ever really did that maybe once, but I don't know. I just felt like when I actually 
verbally said the words, there was just such a huge, I really physically felt something in, in, I do feel like there was like a spiritual, right. Something going on because I, there was such a darkness in my mind. And then I really felt like, like the waves receded and like, there was like, Oh, like I could yeah. see again, like I just, yeah. it was such a different, I don't know. And it's it, people who experience that really get it for and, sure. And it's hard yeah. to articulate exactly what it feels like, but it I really is. Know. Even you reflecting that back to me, like I can feel that, like I can see yeah. when you're just doing that, like, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And then you left that breath out, like for yeah. sure. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. It is a, such a profound, you know, profound thing. And one of the last things I always like to, you know, to, to talk about is, you know, the power of, of connection, right? Because then, and I'm, I imagine you'll be able to, re- to re- relate to this is the, uh, the isolation that I put myself in yeah. also came along with me thinking that my problem was unique, right? Exactly. And maybe the, some of the nuances were, but it, ultimately it's, it's addiction, right? And so many people go through uh, the, the nuts and bolts of addiction. So... Right. Like I was saying, like our stories are so similar yet. Like we live on such, in such different places and totally right. Universal yet. There's obviously some, some nuances that are different. Like you say, to where we live and such. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just getting into a room and realizing that I can say what I have done and then have somebody reflect back to me, like, that's no big deal. You want to hear what I did. And yeah. right. It's like this dark subject matter, but there's some like levity to it. And yeah. finally you can, I can allow this like shame and darkness to come up and then greet it with laughter, have this release of yeah. laughter or maybe some tears and yeah. there's nothing like it. Right. Totally. And that's what this, like why Catherine and I do this podcast and why we talk about the things we talk about and why we love meeting people like you, Matt, and you. why it's such a, um, why it's so important to keep doing what we're doing and what you're doing. And, um, so thank you for sharing your story and thank you. It's very powerful and yeah, keep doing it. Keep, keep going out there and, and doing the hard work because it's really, it's wonderful. So. Yeah. Th- well, thanks for the opportunity, Kim. I love, you know, your, your lady's show and I know you got a, a really solid fan base and that's great. I love what you, I just love the community, right? Like the yeah. Instagram community totally. is amazing, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, it just, it was so rewarding to find it at the time that I did, you know, uh, uh transitioning into this yeah. new career. I'm like, okay, well, how can, where am I going to be able to find all these people? And I go on Instagram and it's just like lists of people that are like championing themselves as sober or alcohol free. I'm like, holy, like this has got some momentum. Everyone's, everyone's so nice. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Encouraging. Yeah. And and it's, it's a really great place to, um, yeah, find other people to connect with. And, um, it's, yeah, just a lot of really wonderful people that I've gotten to know. So yeah, absolutely. So thank you. Well, thank you, Kim. Um, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Matt, this has been such a pleasure. So thanks for having me on your show this spring. Thanks for coming on here and, um, yeah, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on, Kim. And yeah, anytime you want to come back on the show, just say the word. Awesome. All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye.